We work really hard to let them be kids. Um, our kids who are coming in have been faced with some really grown-up problems, homelessness and maybe community violence or domestic violence or um, being hungry or not having the utilities on in your home. Those are, those are some grown-up problems. And so when our kids are coming in, we want them to be able to have the chance to be kids. Mm. And so the most important thing that we do at the nursery is play. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Five years ago, the St. Louis Crisis Nursery opened its doors, and they haven't closed since. They are open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Parents who are facing homelessness or illness or domestic violence or just extreme stress can drop their kids off for up to five days at no cost to the family. The parents get a chance to get back on their feet, and the families get connected with support on every level. And joining us today to talk more about the St. Louis Crisis Nursery and its 35 years of work is its Senior Clinical Director, Molly Brown. Molly, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So Molly, when you first came to the Crisis Nursery, this was 21 years ago, and you had a very good job for explaining a bit about the work that the nursery does. You were an intake counselor. Tell me, what kind of things did you see in that job? Oh my goodness. Well, that was, um, it was a wonderful job. I was fresh out of, um, school with my bachelor's in psychology. Um, and I was able to work firsthand with our kids and families. So taking care of our kiddos who were staying with us, who are anywhere from birth through age 12, um, providing them love, support, nurturing, um, all in a trauma-informed atmosphere, um, and then working with our parents um, when they would bring their kiddos in, meeting with them, um, listening to them, hearing, you know, what what's going on for them, what what are the stressors that are causing this extreme stress, what happened um, that they became homeless, and how can we help them um, get connected to other resources? Um, and so we would sit down and and you know we would listen and we would set goals and we would um, you know problem solve and provide support and love and care. Um, and then when that family came to pick up, I would get to meet with them again. And to um, to see a mom who walks in the door of the crisis nursery kind of with her head down and maybe not making eye contact, feeling like in the middle of this crisis, she's all alone caring for her little ones. And then to see her come back to pick them up, um, maybe some of those resources have worked out. Maybe they found a place to go. Um, maybe some of that stress has been relieved by the connection she's made and the break that she's had. Um, and to see her walk in with her head high and excited to see her kiddos again, um, those were some of the, the really proud moments of getting to work in that role as an intake counselor. Hmm. I imagine that some of these kids, when they're coming in, they must be pretty scared. Uh, you know, it's a new environment and, and their parent is going to leave. Um, what happens once they're on site? What, what kind of care do they get? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so while the kids are here, we work really hard to let them be kids. Um, our kids who are coming in have been faced with some really grown-up problems, homelessness and maybe community violence or domestic violence or um, 
being hungry or not having utilities on in your home. Those are those are some grown-up problems. And so when our kids are coming in, we want them to be able to have the chance to be kids. Mm-hmm. And so the most important thing that we do at the nursery is play. Um, and we even have a play therapist to help make sure that happens. Um, play is the language of our kids. Play is the way that they can express themselves. So when kids come in, we right away show them around. We invite them in. We help them pick out maybe a favorite toy um, or, you know, find something that we can connect with. Maybe they like art. Um, So we kind of try to engage them right away, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the nursery environment, introducing them to maybe another kiddo who's their age, um, offering them a snack. We have a lot of kids who come in um, and maybe late in the day and they may not have eaten all day. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that right away we're checking on just those basic needs. Are you hungry? Do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you need a bath? Um, some of our kids who maybe have been sleeping in a car haven't had a bath, and there's nothing like the feeling of a warm bubble bath with toys to play with um, to help our kids kind of, you know, feel a little bit better. So. Hmm. There is that idea that the kids are, are scared, and, and some of them are. Um, some of them are, are grateful to be somewhere where they can feel safe and um, and know that, you know, this their mom has trusted them or their dad has trusted, you know, us at the crisis nursery to keep them safe. Also, we have the best staff, um, and that makes all the difference for our kids. We have the most lovely, wonderful kind, nurturing, supportive staff who are all trained in our nurtured heart approach and our trauma-informed care model so that um, our kids truly can feel like this is a safe place and, and it's okay to to be here mm. um, and again, to, to get to be a kid for a little bit. And so you're open 24-7. Do you have kids are sometimes coming in at, at 2 in the morning, for example? Yes, we actually just last week had um, some kiddos that came in right around that time. Um, You know, things that are emergencies for our family happen all hours of the day and night. Um, And so it is really important to us that we are here and available and that our staff are here and available to answer that crisis helpline. Um, And sometimes it's just that. Sometimes it's those calls in the middle of the night from maybe a new mom whose baby is crying and she doesn't know what to do um, or whose toddler won't go to bed and she's feeling frustrated at the end of her rope. Um, The families that are calling the crisis nursery for help, you know, there's two things that we think about as criteria. So there's a crisis for that family and there's no one else for them to turn to. Mm. Um, And, you know, having being a parent myself, I know how important my village is to help take care of my kiddos. And so the families calling the crisis nursery, they don't have that. And so to be able to call and know that this trained, kind, wonderful person is going to answer the phone and and talk you through what's going on. And so sometimes that means that we need to bring those kiddos in for care right away. Sometimes it's just that we need to talk to that parent and help them um, help them through that tough moment, provide support, remind them that they're doing a good job, um, that it's okay if your baby is crying. That doesn't mean that something's wrong necessarily. Sometimes, you know, new parents, you don't know when your baby's crying. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other side of that, one of the things that's really important at the crisis nursery is that we, through a, an amazing partnership with Dr. Dave Campbell, um, at the Institute for Family Medicine, we're able to provide medical care for all of our kiddos at the nursery. So when kids here are here with us, they get a physical. Um, and that's really important. We find that many of our kids haven't had access to medical care or to those well-being checks that are really important for our kids. So you're, you're catching so, all sorts of things that might have gone undetected. Absolutely. And sometimes it's something simple like, 
um, maybe some eczema and we need to treat that. But sometimes we, it's an ear infection. And so that mom who thought their baby wouldn't stop crying and didn't know what to do, it was just an ear infection. And now we can treat that. We can get some medication. And then we could talk to that mom about, hey, next time, you know, here are some things to look for. And, and here's this great resource for um, following up on that care so that, you know, you don't have to feel all alone and isolated and concerned in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so that medical care that we provide is just is so critical uh, to our families. So as you mentioned, some of these families are dealing with some really, really harrowing situations. Um, how can you be sure these kids are safe when they're reunited with parents who are under the more stressful end of the spectrum? That's also a great question and lets us talk about our family empowerment program. So after the kiddos leave here, so when they come, the parent comes in for discharge, um, we're going to do a full assessment. We're going to make sure that um, they've got a safe place to stay, that if the water was off, is it turned back on, that if there was violence in the home or the neighborhood, you know, what's our action plan? Um, And so we're going to do all of that assessing at discharge. And sometimes, you know, families come in for discharge and their head isn't up. They're, we're not making eye contact. They're still looking pretty stressed. And so we'll say, it looks like you might need some more time. Maybe we need to update our goals. Maybe we need, we need some additional resources. Um, and the kiddos may need to stay a couple more days if that's what the parent, you know, wants also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes that does happen. But if they discharge right away, they're going to be getting a call from one of our um, also amazing social workers and counselors in our family empowerment program who are going to call and say, hey, you know, what's going on? We saw that your kiddos were just in for care. How can we help? What do you need? Um, and so in a non-pandemic time, <laughs> that would look like that social worker going out to wherever the family is. Maybe it's their home. Um, maybe it's a park. Maybe it's um, a McDonald's, if that's a safe place. Maybe it's the domestic violence shelter. Maybe it's a homeless shelter. Um, wherever that family is and wherever it's safe to go, our social workers are going to meet them there and start um, getting them involved in that program. So you mentioned the pandemic, and and we've Mm -hmm. actually talked an unusually long amount of time um, in an interview without the pandemic yet coming up. So this is good that (laughs) that you mentioned it. Um, I imagine this added whole huge layers to what you do. But, you know, I guess my first pandemic-related question would be, how did it affect the demand for your services? I imagine some families didn't feel like they could bring their kid by because they'd be too afraid of, of exposing them to, you know, whatever virus might be out there. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that the difference between our services is that our families who are, are calling, you know, again, don't have those other options. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, we, the families were definitely scared and, and our team was scared. You know, we all were scared, um, especially in the beginning when we didn't have a lot of information. Um, but again, such a credit to our team who just knew in their hearts, we all just knew that we had to, we had to still be here for our families. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't an option. And so, you know, we had to figure out safety protocols. And again, that partnership with Dr. Campbell um, really helped us during that time, too, to have that medical knowledge um, to learn, you know, what are some protocols that we could put in place safety-wise and cleaning-wise and sanitization and all of those things um, to make sure that, you know, we were able to keep our kids in our building and, and keep our kids safe and our team safe. Um, and so, you know, we definitely still had families who absolutely needed to come in for care um, they didn't have a safe place to stay or there was a violent situation between, you know, mom and her partner. Um, the family was out of food, you know, those kind of things. And so the kids still needed a safe place to go where they were going to be cared for mm-hmm. um, while mom and dad figured things out. So, you know, that that certainly the need didn't change at all during the pandemic. Um, 
we had to change, you know, that I started to mention that, you know, that home visiting program that had to look much different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we weren't going to go into their families' homes right now, but we were still able to connect via phone or Zoom sometimes or, um, you know, those types of things. But we also did a lot of um, one of the things that, you know, our families oftentimes are in need of is just basic supplies, um, formula for that baby, diapers. Um, we went through a period of time where we were seeing so many of our babies coming in and hearing from our moms that they were having to reuse diapers. Mm. Um, and we were seeing just the most horrifying diaper rash. And we just thought we have to be able to do better. And so um, another amazing partnership with, with the Pooper Troopers, who are the most wonderful family who started an organization that has helped us make sure that we are always well-stocked with diapers that we can share with any of our families. Hmm. Um, and so dropping those off on people's porches during the pandemic was was critical to those little ones. Um, dropping off food. You know, remember in the beginning, we, we all couldn't find cleaning supplies. Um, and so maybe I have the opportunity with my car to drive to a couple of different stores to find what I need, but our, our families don't have that opportunity. And so to have our social workers and counselors drop those off. Hmm. Overall, so keep themselves safe. overall, how did the pandemic affect um, the number of kids you serve, say, in a given month? Did you see a dip there in the beginning or did it that demand always stayed strong? I would tell you that we had a little bit of a dip. You know, we did have some staff that weren't able to continue working because they were at high risk. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we we had some staff that had to take some time um, away from the nursery. And so we we lost some of our workforce there in the beginning. And so that honestly impacted our numbers a little bit more um, in terms of our ability. So we did um, have one of our nurseries that we uh, two of our locations out in St. Charles that we um, shifted the extra staff and um, resources out to our Wentzville location. So we paused services there at our St. Charles City locations and and moved those staff and, and helped families that were in that community, you know, access our Wentzville location. So overall, there was a little bit of a dip in the numbers, but a lot of that was due to, you know, some of, uh, you know, us needing to take care of our staff too and know that if they needed to not be there, um, to keep themselves safe, that that was also really important. We, we have to keep everybody safe as much as possible. So the need didn't change, but, you know, our ability, uh, you know, shifted a little bit during that time. In a typical year, how many kids would you be helping through these services? We're a little bit closer to around 5,000 kids in a typical year. And um, during this past year, we were right around 3,000. Um, so you can see that, you know, a little bit of a difference there. Um, but that's still, you know, a lot of kiddos who were able to have a safe, warm bed and, mm-hmm. you know, three meals and snacks a day and all of that important care that they got while they were here. And, and you mentioned when we spoke the other day that um, even though it was fewer uh, children that you were helping, that these were some more extreme situations. Was that as a result of everything going on in the pandemic or it was just that you were sort of uh, laser focused on, hey, we have to take these hardest cases? We, both. I, I think that, you know, focus in on, you know, the families that are, um, you know, really having a difficult time. You know, for many of our families that were already struggling, the pandemic just kind of exacerbated those struggles um, and their access to resources. And, you know, maybe they were connected to someone else in the past that now they were isolated from. Um, so, you know, stress levels were rising. 
kids were at home full time, you know, other providers weren't having eyes on kids. You know, we heard a lot about how, you know, the calls to the child abuse, um, the child abuse and neglect hotline dropped. And so it was such a difficult time there in the beginning. And so the families that were calling in, you know, truly were very isolated and, you know, definitely were facing some extreme situations. And um, again, just so, so important that we, um, that we were here. The other thing, you know, that, you know, during this pandemic, I think we've seen, especially in St. Louis City, we've seen such a increase in gun violence, and that certainly is impacting a lot of the families that we care about. Um, and so that's been, uh, you know, kind of a struggle during this past year and something that we've really tried to respond to in a number of different ways. Um, when there's a, a, a gun violent or a gun incident shooting involving um, a child, we always at the nursery try to respond to that community. And what that looks like is pre-pandemic, we would have been going door to door and knocking on doors and trying to engage with the neighbors of um, those little ones that were lost due to gun violence. Um, During the pandemic, what we've done is, you know, go door to door and leave our flyers. We really, it's so important to us that those communities know that they're cared about, that those kids' lives mattered and that those kiddos are cared about um, and that hope exists and help exists and that there's a place that they could call if they you know, need support for their family or know somebody who does. And so that's been another, um, you know, during this pandemic scene, so many kiddos um, faces on the news that we've lost. That's been something that, you know, at the nursery, we take that, we take that very seriously and and have really tried to make sure that um, even though there's a pandemic and maybe we can't engage with those families in quite the same way, we're still showing up and, you know, present in those neighborhoods where our those tragedies are happening. Molly, I imagine that a number of our listeners who are hearing this now, um, that they're wondering if there's ways that they can help support your mission as you guys head in now to your 36th year. Um, I know there's a lot of different opportunities here, but if you can give us the one minute version of it, what are some ways that people could get involved and, and be useful? So we are starting to open back up to our volunteers. So volunteering is awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, There's many opportunities, both from holding our babies, playing basketball with our big kids, um, reading books to our little ones, um, helping with, you know, just kind of overall needs of a building that, you know, cares for lots of kiddos. Um, So volunteers, we love, love, love. We also have lots of special events coming up. Um, And so, you know, folks can go to our website to get involved with those and learn more about those different opportunities. Um, And there's so many ways. Sometimes it's just, you know, dropping off. We've had so many wonderful supporters through the pandemic that have allowed us to keep going. And maybe they're just leaving diapers on our doorstep so that we can in turn leave them on someone else's. And so... Um, you know, all of those different ways to help make such a difference and, and have over the past 35 years. They've, our community has definitely kept us going. Well, it's just been great to hear about this work. And, and Molly Brown, Senior Clinical Director at the St. Louis Crisis Nursery, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.